So there was a lot of discussion about kink, pansexuality, and polyamory on the last episode. So I decided to keep Hannah here. We're holding her hostage a little <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I know that sometimes we may feel like our sex lives are over. But clearly Hannah is living proof that it's not. <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest way possible. So... Hannah, let's start with how herpes has affected you sexually. Has this affected your sexual experience or your sexuality at all? Um, I'd like to say yes, but with a caveat that I don't mean for better or worse. It is just more complex. Okay. Um, for instance, my, my primary, my partner and I, we've been together for three years. We are what you would call fluid bonded. We do not use protection between just themselves and myself. However, my other partner, we would use protection. Um, that and I take antivirals daily. So the agreement is that obviously we don't engage when we are having an outbreak. Um, but aside from that, it's not changed anything, honestly. I mean, I'm very open about my status. So so you're still getting tied up, mm -hmm. ass beat, sometimes yep. blood, hair pull. I've... Honestly, I'm, we are very lucky in St. Louis. There is an amazing kink community. So um, I was in the rope studio one time. I got, a rope studio? There's a rope studio. It's beautiful. I got branded, then had rope over the brands, and then beat all in one night. And this is post my, you know, getting HSV. So these are all people who are fully aware that if I do accidentally have an orgasm and some of my body fluid gets on stuff, they know fully what to expect. If I accidentally if, have yeah, an if orgasm? I, if I accidentally... Well, I'm not... Okay, so I'm a giggler. Pain makes me laugh. And um, so <laughs> My mom would beat the shit out of me if she whooped me when I was a little kid and I laughed at her. Right? I think that might be part of it. I mentioned being raised in a cult. We were definitely beat. Now, when you say so, raised in a cult, you do mean Catholic, I mean, right? Or no. Um, there was a non denominational uh the community was a church and it was run by my grandparents and they didn't start off as a cult but it evolved into one so we have a survivors group um we actually one of the people who survived ran for office in virginia and so i got interviewed to talk about it and it was one of the first times i'd actually just flat out acknowledged that we were in a cult it was a religious religion you really mean you were in a cult yes, got yes. it we didn't wear clothes like the outside world. We didn't do media. We didn't, I mean, I didn't go to, they, all the kids were pulled out of school. Uh, so we were all homeschooled on a midnight curriculum. And so um, obviously my kink life is so colorful because Were there any black people in this And cult? guilt, yes. Oh my God. Yes, there were a few. <laughs> yep. And so oddly, part of this was that some of the women from the church would uh, live with, and I say women, they would be like 15, 16. Yeah. They would come and live with my family and cook and clean for us because we were the family of the daughter of the pastor. So it was like this sort of hierarchy. And so being a kid, slaves. exactly, being oh a kid, my God, this is terrible. I didn't know. <laughs> I just thought, oh, they get to stay with us. I love them because they they were always like teenagers and I was a kid and I thought, ooh, cool teenagers. We get to hang out. Were any of the higher ups brain surgeons or hypnotists? No. Okay, no. good. We're no. not looking at a get out just situation. Very, oh God, no. <laughs> just very skilled at targeting people who were in crisis situations and pulling them into the church. Okay. That said... 
I do owe several of my kinks directly to the fact that it was so hammered into my brain that I was um, a sinner if I didn't obey my better half. I was trained to be a housewife from a child on up. I was expected to do the cooking and cleaning. So of course now there's a kink where if you want me to like put on lingerie and clean the house, that's awesome, but you're gonna be doing some heavy fucking like thank you after. So um, I do owe a little bit of my kink to the upbringing, okay. but at the same time, not all of it. So how did you discover your pansexuality? Um, it came when I first uh, started chatting with somebody who um, identified as male, but they were uh, they were female identified at birth. So me and this person had a, some great conversations. We were you know chatting and stuff, and I knew it wasn't going to go very far, but I was definitely attracted to them, and it wasn't their you know, genitalia that was stopping me from dating them. It was this the fact was their that, energy, yeah, their yeah they mind. were, they were awesome, but they were also a different type of religion than me. Um, and I'm a very snarky, bratty person. So I knew that I would end up hurting them. So, uh, but what I realized was that I should stop identifying as bisexual because I knew bisexual people who specifically did not find themselves attracted to people on anything but assist. They only were interested in people who were born and identified as male or born and identified as female. Okay. So for me, it was saying, I know gender fluid people who are gorgeous and who I would love to date if we had the time, um, but also genderless. And these, these are terms that to me are just as beautiful as male, female, and otherwise. So it came, it, it came from a desire to be more inclusive in, and uh, accurate in my verbiage and yeah. to make it clear that you didn't have to be male or female to ask me questions on OkCupid or to hit me up at an event to see if I wanted to play. Mm -hmm. So That's crazy. <laughs> okay, so that's what it is. It's more of an attraction to anyone who's mm -hmm. stimulating you with their yep. energy, vibes, and uh, positivity, I'm yep. going to just say. Yeah. Uh, so what about, how did the people around you feel about this like how does your partner feel about you being pansexual your partner is male right yes and male um, identified at birth yes okay he want to make sure i'm saying the right thing yep he is a cisgender male and he is amazingly supportive because he also supports i mean he supports every part of me so the fact that i i embrace my androgyny sometimes and i cross dress now and then you'll see me with a binder on and looking more masculine because i don't give a fuck and it's because just about how you feel. exactly and, I respect and you for that. sometimes my energy is way different than it is sometimes my body feels differently so i'm comfortable being like you know i'm going to wear the binder tonight and that's going to be how that goes i disassociated um, during my you know trauma and stuff but I, uh, afterwards, I started being aware of uh, body dysphoria, where my body would every now and then feel um, a little different in my feminine attire. I mean, like, I have, my underwear drawer could survive the apocalypse for like a good year and a half. I could start a store, basically. Um, but that said, sometimes every now and then I would feel not at home and not right in my clothing and sort of in my sort of, even my, even in the sex I was having, so I started being more open about you know well if I'm this way of course I can like be attracted to people who are this way because this is all just part of the human expression yeah you know mm -hmm. so he's amazingly supportive 
That said, I mean, he's the type of guy who let me have my other partner move in with us. So, of course, he's supportive. He's a very confident person because he knows the more he supports me, the more I absolutely adore the fuck out of him. Okay, so you have a savages relationship. (laughs) I know you haven't seen the movie, but that is exactly what I mean. So there's a girl and then there's two guys who are like BFFs. Mm, I know that they aren't BFFs. Yeah, I know. We talked about that before the show. They are not BFFs, but they they get along. at some point? They get along. When we got the house together, we had to do a lot of um, work on it. And uh, so they would go off and work on some things together. And it always made me feel really happy to see that they weren't killing each other. I'm like, oh, yay. My loves can get along, you know. They're like cooking and drinking beers right. or whatever. They would, I mean, they would help take care of the dog. Or sometimes they would just both take care of me because I I work for... Now, wait, are we talking... No, sexually no, 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 no. There was never the a bed sharing thing. Okay. It's I'm not into. So this was like savages. Yeah. No. Oh, shit. I would spend five nights a week with one partner, and then the other nights with my other. Um, mainly because one partner woke up super early, so I would sleep in the other room with my other partner, mm-hmm. and that way I could just sleep longer because I'm a night owl. So I'd be going to bed super late, and then if I slept with my, you know, with B, then I'd have to get up at five a.m. If I slept with Greg, I'd be able to sleep till nine. So it was just a practical thing. But yeah, um, I also, I mean, I've had female relationships as well. So it's definitely something that B is supportive of and aware of. So for instance, if I get to a point in my life where I have the energy for another relationship, it's very likely going to be with the woman just because um, I definitely have been feeling that way more lately. So. Okay. So it's just 100% how you feel. Yeah. You are living in the moment. That is awesome. <laughs> and I can't remember, did you say your partner does have HSV as well? No, he doesn't. He, uh, three years and he is still testing negative. Wow. So, yeah. That is... Yeah, considering he goes down like, uh, it's like we don't live without it. So it's definitely like, I keep being like, all right, one more time. Let's get tested again. Just because <laughs> I make him get the report card too. Mm-hmm. But it took, honestly, when we first got together, I was still having trouble and I didn't want him to do things like go down and stuff. Yeah. It was it was hard to get to the point where I could like let go and let him enjoy our sex life too because it's like one of his favorite fucking things. So, so I'm asking this very specifically for sure. one person that I know. Mm-hmm. She, um, there's a person I know who is with someone who mm-hmm. does not have it and she is freaking out about possibly him contracting it from her. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for her? Relax. Stress is bad for your body. Mm-hmm. I would relax and it's their choice to be with you. So if they want to be with you, let them. Let them love you. Let them be. They make their own decisions. You can't make this choice for them. And I told her too. I was like, hey, do you know how lucky you are to have this situation? Like most people. Would... I understand though. I think I, I mentioned, I told him so many times. I took him to my FetLife profile and made him scroll through my kinks before we could go on our fifth date. I was like, okay, here's all the reasons why you should probably run now. And he was just like, mm, that shit's sexy. Like, He's like, all right, let's, let's get on number seven right, right? now. He, he watched me play with my long-standing play partner. And um, I mean, so the first time my, my current partner saw me uh, in any form of undress, it was in front of a room of 200 people. So, so you do performances? No, but some of the uh, social play parties, um, it is, there's a group of, there's, it's hundreds of people, and there's equipment around the outside of the room. And so is this a who, big ass orgy? Or no, this, God no. All right. No, this is Missouri, so we can't really do that kind of thing. Do people uh, you have to keep nipples covered. I mean, if that's their fetish, they're okay. allowed to. 
they do have to get ID'd before you get in the door. Got it. But no, um, I'm just meaning more of a, like, it's a social gathering, but it's also a play party. So I said, this is our fifth date. You're about to see me in my underwear and topless, and it's going to be in a room full of 200 people, and then you're going to watch several different people hurt me. So if you're not comfortable with this, we're going to figure this out. Okay, so even with your assault, you are fine at this point with being in uh, masochist. Mm-hmm scenarios. Yep. I honestly felt guilty a little bit about it because... Did I say that right? Yeah. I All mean, right. I'm a masochist. <laughs> masochist scenarios is a very great broad term because okay. that ultimately covers it. I let people tie me up. I let people brand me. Obviously, this is with extensive negotiations. Right, right. Um, but with negotiations and... Yeah, it's very... Um, so, if it were me and my partner, yes. Uh, in a place, space... If you say stop, someone's going to stop. If you say red, that usually means stop. People will check in with you as you're playing. So if we were playing with a new toy and my partner for some reason was like, I'm not sure how she's doing, he would check in and be like, how are you liking this? Or if you were going too and fast, just be like, oh, I'd, I'd laugh and poke him. I'm like, what do you think? Like, Or a lot of times if, for instance, we're using a toy that has more of a wallop to it than we're expecting, and I'm like... More of a wallop to it? <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting a little tapped, I would say yellow. That means slow down a little bit, we're good, but don't change lanes, just slow it down. Gotcha. Red would mean you're changing lanes, we're stopping this, we're taking it different, let's go a different direction, make a turn. Oh, okay. So um, it's very, again, consent-based. Nobody wants to give you a bad experience because then you won't play with them again. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if all communities are like this, but in mine, um, people want to play with fun people. And the fact that I giggle during play, is great because it draws... I mean, I have play partners out the wazoo more than I know what to do with, and I feel bad. You've got a very upbeat, but, positive energy to you, seriously. But at the same time, it also means that people who want a quiet, morose, little submissive girl to hold still and take the beating, they're going to know not to play with me. Because yeah. I'm going to turn around and laugh in your face. Like, I pinch my top's nipples, like, I antagonize him. For Christmas, <laughs> I had my friends stick uh, bows all over my tits, and he would flog them off into the audience. And then the, I found out because I was blindfolded later that the audience was handing them back and he was sticking them back on me and kept going. I didn't know this, but I heard so much about this later on. Like people were just fanning out and I was like, well, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. We're all adults here to have a good time. Wow. So yeah, um, the assault, the rape, um, I felt really bad because I do engage in consensual non-consent. That means ahead of time we know that I'm going to say things like no, stop please don't, or ouch, or it hurts. I'm going to try and convince you. I might even fight you off. But until I say a specific word, What's like an we're example good. of the specific word? What was one? Just Climate change. I mean... What? <laughs> Something so simple. <laughs> I'm expecting like Tyrannosaurus Rex. No, Something that would definitely stand out. Not pineapple, because we joke about pineapple being a safe word just because it's a funny <laughs> word. Pineapple's pineapple. Oh, you didn't see the Kevin Hart stand-up? No. Oh, maybe he got that from y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but the way we want it is so that it's an obvious thing that says, hey, change direction. Or, okay. hey, we've, we've crossed something. I need to cool down a bit. So, so you'd be like... Engaging in consensual non-consent, I felt a lot of guilt over it first, but therapy helped me through that. Mm -hmm. Because I should still get to enact my fantasies with a consensual partner. It shouldn't matter that, you know, I have this history. I've so processed you just, it. You literally just let yourself out. Mm -hmm. You've let yourself... Yeah go so yep. to speak so rather than having the stigma restrict you into 
you know, this section of your body, like compacting you with yeah. a small person who is trying to hide from the world and not see what mm -hmm. and not allow yourself to express. So once you went to therapy, you were able to express yourself. It began as soon as I began therapy and it mm -hmm. evolved as I got through it. It was a process. There was mm -hmm. more and more letting go and yep. becoming more And it helps panic. having, for me, a kink aware therapist, but it was just kind of luck. She just didn't judge. She understood that pain can be cathartic for some people. And she didn't judge that or see it as part of a different mental issue. She just accepted it. Because I realized I was a masochist the moment I started getting my first tattoo. So for me, it's been... Speaking of tattoos, is that... Lumpy, is that Adventure Time related? No, that's actually from a Don Hertzfeld cartoon. I was so excited when I saw that. I was like, that if you looks look up, like someone from the Candy Kingdom. It's hilarious, though. If you look up Intermission in the Third Dimension, watch the cartoon. It is phenomenal. Okay. But, yeah, the therapy allowed me to shed the guilt around still having a high sex drive. I mean, when I met my current partner, I had over seven other people I was dating. Mm -hmm. And it was more realistic. But I basically just said, I have a network. And if you're going to try and convince me to give up my network, we need to be realistic because my sex drive is what it is. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm done feeling bad about it. So how does that work? Is it like you set up dates or calendars and meet with these people? How do you include your partner or is your partner completely separate from your dating life outside of him? I don't at this point. I'm not pursuing anything because I've my, my ex moving out has been so draining, but... Yeah. When I have the energy, um, whoever I end up dating, have they, he has to be com comfortable with them. Yeah. So whoever they are, they're going to at least need to be okay in his book. Otherwise, why would I bring them around so if they squick him out? Yeah, so it's like good people. Yeah. It's, them, it's kind of our radar. Good person. Because uh, when I first brought him to the community, because he was kinky before he met me, but he wasn't involved in the community, right. I warned him straight up. I'm like, you know, I'm involved, so you're going to have to get used to this. Well... I warned him that people were very, you know, consent-oriented and stuff, and then had person after person violate his boundaries. So he doesn't like to be touched. I'm a hugger. If I bring him places, and I know that people are going to try and hug him, I keep going, like, I keep sticking my hand out in front of myself and encouraging them to shake my hand so that they'll shake his hand too, mm -hmm. because he will get hugged otherwise, and it's traumatic for him. So he's, I mean, it doesn't help that he's like this big, really teddy bear-looking guy, but... Yeah. People want to hug him, but the fact is is that um, it was tricky to explain that we're a community that values consent, and yet some people are going to think the boundaries don't apply to them. So we had to learn really quickly how to sort of police each other's boundaries because I'm also a lot better at conflict resolution than he is. So that's the way it's been so far is that I basically look around and I'm like, is he okay with this? If he is, cool. If not, I'm going to have to talk with her. And I'll just explain. Not everybody gets to hug him. Yeah. So what do you think is the most important element? Because I'm sure there are people, just like who don't want to talk about herpes, may not mm -hmm. want to talk about this type of lifestyle on top of having herpes. Yeah. So what do you think is a very key element to maintaining this type of a relationship? Would you say it's communication? Would you say it's honesty? Oh, you gave me a look. Okay. Well, communication, <laughs> um, I feel like emotional maturity is something you can't really gauge in another person. So you can hope for it, but it is one of the things that really makes a difference. But communication is the first and foremost point of it. When I first started dating my partner and I was moving and he and I didn't get all the time together and he knew that I'm a human being and I have a lot of needs and he literally was like, you know, if you need this with that person, please 
know that it's okay with me. That scared the shit out of me because we hadn't started dating with the understanding that we would be poly. We just started dating because we liked each other. He knew that I was bringing a high sex drive to the table. He knew that I had dated poly before, but he hadn't been the core of a polyamorous relationship before. And we understood that there were going to be bumps in the road and that communication was going to be the core of what kept us together. So it was terrifying to me. It was terrifying the first time I, I took him at his word and got physical with another person. Um, and it was terrifying to then tell him about it because I kept thinking, what if he was just being nice and now he's going to break up with me and I'm going to lose this amazing connection all because I couldn't tell that he was maybe not being serious about saying, go do it. Okay. But he's a grown-ass man. He makes these choices. <laughs> so it worked out well. Communication is definitely key. So communication and emotional, what'd you say? Emotional maturity. maturity. If you can't put your thoughts and feelings into words but expect other people to figure them out for you, that's not going to be a great way to go. You have to be able to own what you're feeling, even if it's just as simple as saying, I'm hurt, and I can't figure out why yet. Mm-hmm. It might be, and people are afraid of the word jealousy. Being poly doesn't mean you're no longer jealous. It means that you accept these feelings, and you don't see them as the end of a relationship, and you don't see them as meaning your partner's doing something wrong. We're humans. Yeah. We love other humans and the more I find amazing humans to love the more love I just feel so the first time that I did actually you know sort of open our relationship the next time I saw B it was the most amazing thing ever to just be in his arms again and be like this is so freaking awesome I had a friend of mine we were having a conversation about this the exact same thing like all right I'm with you I'm if I'm with you I'm with you but sometimes you just need to go off and Mm -hmm. have sex with somebody else you go and you have sex with them and you're like you come back like man I love you right to the person who it is that you're with so it's good to be able to hear that from someone else who's involved in this lifestyle my appreciation lifestyle just shot through the roof but also i mean every every couple is different so if you don't pressure yourself to fit into any other mold that you've seen and you just think what nourishes me and what nourishes you self-awareness and you pursue it from that angle of you know for instance right now obviously neither of us have any other partners because we've just been drained by this experience with my ex Mm -hmm. And it's left me a little bit, you know, without. So I have my dance card waiting that I'm like, ah, not yet, but maybe a little bit. I'm sorry. Like, we both know that right now we just want to sit on the couch and Netflix, you know, and And take a breather together. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the kink community is so um, open and accepting. And you see a lot more polyamory uh, in the community just because you're not, there's no stigma around it. So um, I, when I first got into the kink community, I thought, oh gosh, everybody's poly. I'm a weirdo because I was in a monogamous relationship. Um, I was like, I'm the weirdo for not wanting to share my partner. What? And then I realized, you know, a lot of my partners in the past have been terrified of me because I don't get jealous, jealous. They'd be like, that person's cute. And I'm like, you should go talk to them. Like, I would encourage my partners to branch out and pursue what caught their interest. And they were yeah. like, why? Does that mean you're going to cheat on me? And I'm like, no, but I also don't think you should feel bad for thinking another human is cute. They're cute. Go yeah. talk to them. Exactly. Like, what if you get them digits, you know? <laughs> get them digits. So <laughs> it was the kink community sort of, 
I guess, broke the ice for me on polyamory. Mm -hmm. And I stopped shaming myself for having a high sex drive, and I started just enjoying my life. And then I met B, and he was like, I think I could handle this with you. And I'm like, good, because I, I don't waste time. Oh, yeah, you better like, hop on this boat. I'm taking off now. I, I like what you much, have to say. Right? It sounds good in theory, but hey, you better get your ass on this boat. Yeah. I feel like my life is pretty fucking awesome and if you want to be a part of it you have to be kind of awesome too yes yes so. i love that quote can you say that one more time <laughs> sure my life is pretty fucking awesome and i feel like if you want a piece of it or to be part of it you kind of have to be awesome yourself bam we got the title <laughs> <laughs> all right so that, that concludes this bonus i guess we call it bonus <laughs> but I don't know. I really need to figure out how I'm going to do In the community, we would call episodes. this an aftercare session where we just talk about things that came up. So, how, how did I do? Oh my God, I watched porn like that, where like at the end of mm -hmm. it, they're just chilling on yeah. the couch after the yep. shower. They're like, how was it? Oh, it was fun. My favorite part was I when think, he stuck his fist up my yep. ass. Oh, wait, is that a thing? Well, I mean, fisting is thing. Oh, but, um, shit. But no, I, like porn where they talk with them beforehand so and they're like, oh, I can't wait to try this. And then so you know that the girl you're watching is thoroughly enjoying the baseball bat up the ass. You know, like she's totally stoked. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is great. Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> no Here, problem. Give me a hug. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. No problem. All right, guys, this is it. Um, add me on Twitter, Instagram for updates at H on my chest. Again, that's at H on my chest. Um, anyone who may want to submit their story or has any questions or wants to talk to Hannah. Oh, Hannah, before you leave, mm -hmm. is there a way people can get in contact with yeah, you um, if they have questions about the community or the lifestyle? If you are on FetLife, you can find me at H E one one. Oh, sweetie. So it's hello, sweetie, but the L's are ones. Um, otherwise, my email for the kink-related questions would be heartbrokensub at gmail.com. Spelled exactly the way it sounds. Heartbrokensub at gmail.com. All right, guys. This concludes another, well, a, well, <laughs> the first bonus episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Um, I feel like this will be one people enjoy. <laughs> Thanks <Yay>. for listening. <laughs>